And uh, we're going to look at Israel as a captive nation. Last uh, week, uh, we looked at Judah as a compromising nation. This week, we're going to look at Israel as a captive uh, nation. And uh, <clears throat> so Judah, remember, Judah and Benjamin are two tribes in the south. Uh, and then you have your northern kingdom uh, is the ten tribes of Israel. And uh, obviously they had departed from the Lord and none of their kings would end up being known as godly kings. Now God did do some things through them, but he could have done a lot more had the kings been godly. And uh, Jeroboam would have had a continued legacy had he been faithful and not gone into idolatry. You know what? When we go into idolatry, we lose so much. And we forfeit a lot uh, when we go into idolatry. And I was just thinking about uh, as I'm reading in Jeremiah in my daily devotions, one of the places I'm reading, and uh, just over and over again, the things that we give up. Realize this, that those on the streets and uh, those who are losing uh, all sorts of things in their lives have done it pursuing idols. And they pursue an idol that does not give them what they think they, it, it should give them. And it never satisfies. And... Uh, here in 2 Kings chapter 17, if you found your place, let's read the first five verses here, and then uh, some truths from God's word. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hoshea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil. And the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hoshea became his servant and gave him presents. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and brought no present to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. So he was the last ruler of the northern kingdom before, you know, in the day 722 B.C., the Assyrians, they invade the land, they deport many of the citizens, repopulate Israel with Gentile peoples from the lands Assyria had conquered. The king of Israel became Samaria, naming it after the capital city, and it was a nation whose citizens were not pure. Israel today is still struggling and suffering from what happened thousands of years ago. The Arabs say, this is our land. We have settled it. This is our land. Well, we know that God gave them the land. But they're still dealing with fighting today as a result of compromises that ultimately go back to Joshua's time when they invaded the land and failed to get rid of all the people. God had given so many blessings, and now these blessings will fall into the hands of the pagans. What God gives you as a blessing now, the blessings and the, the prosperity and the goodness of God now can easily be given into the hands of pagans if we go into idolatry. I don't know about you, but if someone, if you give, a, if you save and you save and you save and you save and you get this particular item, maybe for one of your children or someone you dearly love, and you do all, I mean, you just give this gift to someone that is so from your heart, you've labored, you've toiled, blood, sweat, and tears, and you give them this item, which is of great emotional value as well as personal value. Now, if they take that item and they discard it and give that away to an enemy of yours, how would you feel? 
How would you feel if someone you love, whom you've given a gift you know they really, really, really wanted, and they were so excited to receive this gift, only to have them in a short time thereafter give that gift to an enemy of yours? That is exactly what Israel is doing. God gave them a nation that was a turnkey nation. They walk into Canaan land with all the houses, all the infrastructure, everything that was needed for a city God gave to them. They didn't have to build. Only to have them go after spiritual lovers. The wealth of this land would be confiscated by enemy nations, people taken captive. Eventually, Jerusalem and Judah were destroyed in the year 586 B.C. God preserved a remnant, and he always has a remnant. Hosea had assassinated Pekah, the former king, on the throne of Israel. He made a treaty with Egypt, and notice with me, the Assyrian king said, Hosea has a conspiracy. Verse 4. He says, something's wrong with Hosea. Hosea is not giving the gifts to me like he used to do. He's no longer in servitude to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria doesn't do as God does. He shows no mercy. He takes him captive and he takes him away. And binds the king in prison. And ever since Abraham fled to Egypt to escape a famine, he only got himself and his wife into trouble. When Abraham went into Egypt, he gave his wife away to the king, saying, She is my shepherd, uh, uh, my sister, excuse me. How does a husband give his wife to another man, saying, She's my sister? What foolishness! What foolishness! It is a trust in idols. And various uh, Jewish leaders have looked to Egypt for help. I want you to look with me in uh, Genesis chapter 26, uh, verse 2, as God deals many times with the people uh, about uh, Egypt. Egypt, as we know in the Scriptures, is a picture of the world. Egypt is the only time, I mean, we know that God told Uh, Joseph and Mary to go down into Egypt to flee from Herod. But that was for a time, a short time. Uh, We know that Joseph was there in Egypt, and God used Joseph through Egypt in a mighty way. But Joseph magnified God while in Egypt. Joseph didn't compromise in Egypt. And God did it to save his people. In Genesis 26, 2, And the Lord appeared unto him, Let's go at verse 26. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. God says, Don't go to Egypt. I want you to look with me at another passage of Scripture. Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Can you imagine being delivered from Egypt and the slavery? You know, as someone who maybe is freshly out of, freshly, they're newly saved, 
They're on fire for the Lord. They knew what it was like to be under the captivity and the chains and the bondage of sin. They're released from that. Uh, they're released under the Lord Jesus Christ. But as years go by, as a, as a distance from that salvation occurs, it can be easy for us to re, uh, rec recognize and remember all the bondage I had while a slave of sin and a son of Satan. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt. And they said one to another, let us, make a, let us make a captain, let us return into Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. Imagine this. They forgot that when their forefathers, their, their grandparents left Egypt, here in Numbers, or even their parents left Egypt, that Pharaoh pursued them with all his army it was God who opened up the Red Sea to get them into the wilderness. What idolatry makes us spiritually <laughs> Alzheimer's. I mean, we just forget. We forget of the goodness of God. I'd like you to look with me. Deuteronomy 17.6, uh, it tells us here uh, one of the very things that we're looking at 17, 16, not Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 17, 16. I said 6, but 17, 16. Talking about a king in Deuteronomy 17, 16, before they ever have a king, God knew that Israel would have a king, that they would desire a king. And, uh, but in Deuteronomy 17, 16, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. What way? The Egyptian way. I remember earlier on in my faith, there's times uh, I was saved young, but there was a period of time where I, I lived worldly. And there were times when God began to work on me and I got convicted about the way I was living and I began to move forward in the Lord and the joy of the Lord. Well, then discouragement came and I thought, man, it was a whole lot easier living a carnal Christian life than it was living a consecrated life. Well, I wasn't consecrated because I was looking back to Egypt, right? I mean, my heart wasn't where it should have been. And, you know, we can say, oh, we can look at what we're going through, but we forget the misery that we were in. In fact, I was reading this week, and the Lord had 
as I was looking at the scriptures, is kind of a conviction. God says, idolatry looks to the past and glorifies the past. But it doesn't look at all the carnage of the past. It doesn't look at all the deadness of the past. No, it glorifies the past. And we find even here in the, in the north uh, and all around, people are looking to the past, the traditions of the forefathers, look, rather than looking to the hope set before us. Idolatry looks to the past. It doesn't look at the freedom we have. It, looks at all, it glorifies the sin of the past. And Israel looks at the past and said, oh, we had so much food. Yeah, you had a lot of slavery. You had a, a king who wanted to kill all your baby boys. You had a king who chased after you. I mean, he got you out of there. But uh, God depart, opened the Red Sea. But he would have killed you, that king. That's the place you want to go back to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the place I want to go back to. We forget how far we've come in Christ. The freedom and the liberty and the joy and the blessings and the hope before us by looking only at the immediate struggles of the present. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 30, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked in my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Let's look at... Let's, I mean, just real quick, we'll go to Isaiah 31.1 next, but on this very thing, rebellious children, we are a, a, a place now, and unfortunately, Christians are abdicating or re relinquishing their rights of what we have in God's Word and going after all of this secular psychology, you can call it, there's a Christian psychology that is blended with secular psychology, and now we call it it's psychology or Christian psychology, but it's got so much of the world blended in with it, it is not of God. I'm seeking the world's wisdom trying to fix spiritual problems, and it doesn't work, and it's not working. We're trying to at the same time, uh, in addition, we want to be smart. Did you realize this, that in this nation there was a church planting movement that happened, it started in the Maritimes, coming across this nation, and it was a desire of believers for academics over a holiness that would water down the church planting movement to where it died out, and because they wanted these educational institutions, uh, the Christian education institutions that were raising preachers and raising people to serve God, they had a desire for academics and, and worldly philosophy and smarts over a holiness and consecration and dedication to Christ. They were more concerned with the degree on the wall than they were with the degree and the wholehearted surrender to Christ. And it killed church planting movements. Because people are so concerned, I'm not, I'm a professional. So a professional has a right to tell me what to do. 
Now, I understand there are certain professions. I understand in the medical field. I'm thankful for what they have and the help that they can give. However, the spirit, the, if someone's a professional, this still is my authority. I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. I'm not telling you to do that. But I am saying we have, we have elevated the term professional to a place of God-like status. It's become a god, an idol in our world. So-and-so, doctor so-and-so says this. But I'm telling you, the Bible says don't. The doctor so-and-so might say, well, uh, you're this way because of this. The Bible says I'm born a sinner with a wicked heart. We are listening and that is exactly, we're wanting to be seen as people of prestige in the world's eyes rather than people who are completely committed to Christ and pleasing to the Father. They strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and trust in the shadow of Egypt. There is a movement today and I had this very same philosophy. I thought, I've got to be uh, extremely educated, and, and I'm, I'm all for education, okay? But if the philosophy is I want to be educated and have all the praises of man, then I'm doing it for the wrong motive. I was listening to a sermon yesterday. If God calls you to be an electrician, you ought to be a Christian electrician. If God calls you to be something of, of a technical nature, you're a Christian technician. See, we're Christian first in the calling that God's called us to do. That cover, that take counsel in the council of Egypt. Problems arise in our lives. And I go to the world seeking a remedy from the world's wisdom. Our world is a mess. And the mess of the world is not getting better. I am not... I mean, I understand. There are certain trades. If you're a mechanic, you're a Christian mechanic. Everything you do ought to bring God's glory. See, I am to be what God called me to be as a Christian first, because I know the Father and I have, I've been redeemed. Israel was to be a light to the nations as God's people, not just a descendant of Abraham. In Isaiah 31.1, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen, because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. We will trust in chariots. We trust in Egypt. I trust in the world for my help. Why is it that God is many times a last resort? God is, when problems come, instead of bringing the problem initially to God and laying it down and seeking his wisdom, I come to him after I've made a few bad decisions and now I'm like, oh Lord, I've really messed up. Now where do I go? When Shalmaneser discovers the plot of Hosea, he takes, him, he takes him prisoner and the throne of Israel is empty. 
He's lost his ability to lead the people. You lose the ability to lead your life, lead a family, lead others who follow you when you give in to the world's philosophy. The world's education system is bent on conforming the minds of its students to a worldly philosophy, not a godly philosophy. It wants children, it wants adults to have a worldly way of looking at problems from whatever the current cultural understanding is. Whatever the Egyptian you know, foremost thought is. The siege would last three years here in Israel. And finally the city would give in. It capitulated and it was overrun. They'd already taken the tribes east of the Jordan River. Remember when Israel went into the, into the Promised Land. They came over the Jordan River from the east in Remember how those on the east, two and a half tribes, would stay east of the Jordan River because they were comfortable. They didn't want to move into the promised land. They said, hey, we've already got beautiful land. We're comfortable enough. We don't need all the promises of God. And that was the land that was taken first. We get comfortable with a little bit of the blessings of God and we sit down on our tuff and we don't, move, we don't want to move forward for God. Eventually, 722 B.C., you advance forward from 722 to 586, 140 years-ish. Judah was able to see all the carnage and destruction that happened to their northern brethren. And I would be thinking, if our northern brethren have faced such turmoil, why in the world would they not get on their faces and say, Oh God, we're sorry. We realize this is your judgment. And they lose their land. They relocated a conquered people, replaced them with prisoners. They infiltrated the northern land with a ton of pagans. God told them that if you disobey me, you, I will bring defeat in war. I'm against you. I'm not going to protect you. Deuteronomy 28. In multiple verses in Deuteronomy 28. Oppression and slavery. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, he also promised captivity. This happened to both Israel and Judah. One thing we learn from history is we never learn from history. The land belonged to the Lord. It was God's promise. It was God's blessing. But God could withdraw that blessing if they failed to follow him. As I was reading this morning in my scriptures again, not my scriptures, God's word, but as I was reading in the word of God this morning, God talking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 11 he said, you've been the lover of many, you've defiled yourself, and God says, I'm not hearing your prayers anymore. Now I want to tell you, if you have a husband and wife, and one of those spouses is continually cheating on someone else with many lovers, how, how is it, how often is it that this spouse is saying, I'm not partaking of that anymore, I'm not fulfilling my obligation to you anymore. You love everyone else beside me. God says, I'm not listening to you anymore. 
Seven different nations would, in, would invade the land because of a breach and breaking of the covenant the people made under Moses. Israel was taken captive by Assyria. Babylon took Judah. And God kept the terms of his covenant. It is very important. Obedience. Because obedience is love. See, God didn't make Israel love him. God didn't make Israel come to him. All he did is he withdrew his protection. He withdrew his presence. He said, I'm going to let you have the consequences of your choices. I'll let your gods help you. I'll let your gods protect you, knowing that their gods can do nothing. Their gods have no power. You see, God withdraws his presence because of obedience is a, I love you, God, and I want to follow you. I'm going to trust that you have my future in stake. I'm going to trust that you have my present condition in mind, that you, you have a path for me. Coming back to 2 Kings verse uh, 6, in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria, chapter 17, verse 6 of 2 Kings, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Syria and placed them in Hala uh, and in Habor by the river of Gozam in the city of the Medes. For it, so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree, and there they burned incense in all those high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away from before them carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger, for they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets, by all the seers, uh, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God, and they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers, and his testimonies which he testified against them, and they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Oh my word. Look at this. What has God given you? What has God given you? God says, don't serve these idols. You know, oftentimes when there is, in a marriage, there begins to become strife. One spouse might do against another spouse what they know they hate to make them angry and to get even with them because of the anger and the bitterness of heart. And Israel against God, 
I'm going to do what I want to do. I remember this. There was a particular family in the past of a church that I attended. And when that wife left that husband, and she went into all sorts of different things, all different men. and I mean, it was just, I'm going to live the way I want to live. With no regard for the promise she made at the altar. They go after multiple gods, molten images, and it ends up coming to the place where children are sacrificed. And today, at the lusts of society, there is a trafficking of children because of lusts that always you're going to keep going down. Sin will keep bringing you down. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. They turned to idols. They turned to a golden calf even while Moses was on Mount Sinai. How fickle are you and I? When God doesn't work the way he wants us to work in our timing, we resort to finding something else to satisfy. I knew this young lady. She was a pastor's daughter years ago. And she wanted to be a mother. She had no boyfriend at the time. and She ended up wanting to date men that were unsaved because she wanted to be a mother. And God didn't do it in her timing. I don't know whatever happened to her, but she was a very bitter woman. Israel spits in the face of God. They throw God's blessings back in His face. And yet they want to maintain those blessings. Oh God, you've forgotten us. You've abandoned us. Have you ever had that Christian saying, God doesn't answer my prayers anymore. Life is horrible. Life is bad. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's just like this whole long sob story of how bad God is. Have you ever considered the story before that? Of maybe in all your luxury and comfort, you've abandoned the God who blessed you? The God who bought you and redeemed you? Have you ever thought about that? Verses 18 through 33. I'm going to have to end there for the sake of this morning and picking up some people this morning, but my friend, it is when we step back and we begin to look at life through the lens and the filter of the truths of God's Word and the messes of people's lives, you know, sometimes people like to say, I identify with Job. That's nice. I identify with Job and losing everything. Well, let me ask you a question. Did you lose everything because you were living wholly consecrated to God, you're surrendered to God, and you lost everything? Did you do that? Or were you out of fellowship with God, and you were committing sin against God, and you weren't faithful to God's house, and you weren't faithful to do what God called you to do, you weren't faithful to the Word of God, and now you're losing everything, and you're now saying, I identify with Job. I don't say that that's true. Because Job was a holy man whom God gave a praise of him. There was none faith. I mean, God, there is none in the earth like Job, God's. I mean, Job had a high praise a high, God had a high esteem for Job. 
I mean, he was pleasing in God's sight. It could very well be that the carnage of life and the loss of the things we're losing is because we've chased after idols. And God is a jealous God. And he will not share his glory with another. He will not share his heart. I cannot imagine a husband and wife sharing a bed with anyone else other than the two of themselves, other than that sacred bond. It's important. God doesn't want anyone else in that relationship. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of a church's heart. He will not give his glory to another. Israel overlooked and treated as was we get from a place of being thankful for what God has given and now we get from being unthankful in this place of unthankfulness we now have a place of entitlement God you owe this to me because we're your people God doesn't owe you anything what God owes what if we're owed anything we owe the judgment of God because of our wickedness I'm not entitled to anything But God graciously wants to give me that gift. God graciously wants to help me. God wants to be that joy and that hope. He wants to be the foundation of my heart. He wants to be that emotional security and physical security. God wants to be that. But you got to want Him. You can't, as an analogy of being a husband and wife, you can't have anyone else in that bed. It's a sacred relationship. And if we get our hearts away from God to idolatry, it is a very painful path. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that you've recounted to us from history true accounts of people that profess the name of Christ and yet live so wickedly. Lord, we know what happens with disobedience. Lord, you remove your protection. Lord, you remove your peace and joy. You remove the blessings you've given to us in our faithfulness to you. Father, we're not worthy. Lord, I pray that this warning would be something that would stir in our hearts a tremendous desire Father, to know you, to love you. Father, I know there's even struggles sometimes in my own heart. Father, I just ask that each and every one of us, Lord, would search our hearts. We'd let your Spirit search us and let us show any idols so that, Lord, we're not giving commitment to anyone else. Father, I love you this I love you this day. I thank you for the precious redeeming cross of Christ and the resurrection that gives us liberty. Father, may we honor you. Thank you, God, for caring so much. Thank you for being jealous over us. And so, Father, may we honor you as we move forward this day. I love you in Jesus precious name, I pray. Amen.